today. It's a, it's a lot of stuff. Today we're going to start a new, a new series called Crazy Train and uh, derailing the crazy in your life. Uh, I'm not saying that you are clinically insane or any of those kind of things. That's not where I'm going. That's not what I'm saying. I, I, I'm not telling you that you need medicine or that you need to see the doctor or any of those kind of things. What I, what I am saying and what I felt like God showed me was, man, we act crazy. There are times... Of course, it's not you. It's the second and third service, right? They, they act crazy. You guys are interceding for them, and you're keeping yourselves together. You don't act crazy. Your wife doesn't act crazy sometimes. Your husband doesn't act nuts sometimes. It's all those other people. But you know people who act crazy. They act a little strange. They act a little weird. And, and today we're going to talk uh, about the first topic. We have four topics, I think, that we're going to cover. Could be more, could be less. Uh, but I believe that there's four topics that God gave me when he began to speak this to me a long time ago. This was sometime last summer, last fall, that he began. I think, first of all, the pastor has to get uncrazy before we <laughs> preach about not being, being crazy. And I, I could be crazy. So uh, we're going to talk about uh, com- comparison. We're going to talk about addiction. We're going to talk about bitterness, and today we're going to talk about insecurity. And those are four things that, that really, when people are, 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 are surrounded by those kind of uh, 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 situations and thoughts and ideas and, and really those kind of spirits and those things, it, it makes them act and do just bizarre things. And since it is uh, a message today about insecurity, I decided I would dress as your ice cream man uh, and so that uh, there is absolutely nothing here. Do you need gas? I feel like a 50s uh, a gas station attendant. I should have a cap on and run out and fill, wipe your windows off. And uh, if I can wear this in front of all y'all, there, there's, there's no security problems. I am secure in who I am. And just to even go over the edge, Aunt Chrissy, I got the old pink socks on too. So, you know, I'm, I'm going all the way with this thing. Elizabeth bought me these pants. Rachel, she likes these shoes. This shirt I did pick out. I think I picked out my underwear. I picked out my socks. Right, yes. But I have not worn these because I, I was on purpose. I knew that today was the day before Labor Day. And, the, you know, those kind of crazy rules that say no white after Labor Day, I assume that means no color either. So this is the first and last time I have to wear these. So it works out really well for, for all of us. But the message is, is, is this idea and this thought that, you know what, we are, we are, there's this, this train that just, just goes through your life, and sometimes it just whips you away. And, and you can go from zero to crazy in like three seconds. And, and it's just that thing that says, man, I just, do, I just do nutty stuff. I say crazy. If you've been around people, they say crazy things. They get nervous. They get anxious. They, they, they start comparing themselves to others, and then they start freaking out. And, and, and they, they're dealing with these, these insecurities that have been deep-seated on the inside of them. And it, it, it makes them just, just act bizarre. It makes them go different directions. It makes them really not pay attention to what God says, what His Word says. It, it, it's about self. And, and the insecurities that you face, the comparison that you go through, the addictions... That are, that are happening or holding or having control in your life at the moment, those kind of things, bitterness, unforgiveness, anger, wrath, that kind of stuff, it, it's, all, it's all straight out of self. And on your crazy train, selfishness or self is really the conductor. I mean, that's the one that really drives the crazy train. That when, when you start thinking about you, when you start worrying about you, when you start putting yourself in front of Anything that God says for you to do, anything that God says for you to say, anywhere that God says for you to go, you're, you're boarding the crazy train, and you better be careful. And the way you get on the crazy train really is to compromise. You are compromising the Word of God. 
There is a definition of crazy, and I, the only reason I, I read this, and, and it's my, really, we're just going to talk about doing and saying and thinking things that are irrational and, con- and contradictory to the Word of God and His will for your life. But as you look it up in the dictionary, I, I, only, I only use this definition because the Word of God kind of contradicts it. If you'll follow the Word of God, you'll realize that you won't be this particular way. Mentally disordered, disturbed, or demented. Demented is a state of emotional or mental deterioration. Now listen, that's, the enemy comes to attack your mind, to, to make your world unorganized and chaotic. But Jesus comes not just to bring us life, but to bring order into our life. He comes and says that as we renew our word, our minds to the word of God, it will change us and transform us and we will become more like him and less like this. In the end, it says unsound. Well, 2 Timothy 1.7 says that we have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a what? Sound mind. So if we will adhere to the word, you can take that off because I don't want to sit there and look at that because sometimes that reminds me of me. But if you adhere to the word of God, see, these things, these things, are, these things are based in fear. Addiction's even based in fear. Bitterness and wrath and all those kinds, they're, they're based in fear. Comparison is based in fear. Insecurity is based in fear. And fear brings torment. But the Bible says that, that we don't have to have a spirit of fear because he's given us this power. He's given, this, uh, this, he's given us this power and this sound mind. In one, of the versions it says, in one of the versions of the word, I think maybe they amplified, it says that you have the ability to make wise decisions. How many of you know people, man, they get, they get, they get to comparing and they get in, in insecurity and they get into to addiction and all these things. They just make poor decision after poor decision after poor decision. But I, I believe that, that this is a time and, a, and, a, and an opportunity for us to, to, to get off the, the crazy train. And whatever is happening in your life, I deal with insecurity at times. You deal with insecurity at times. The devil is no respecter of persons. He comes after all of us. He tries to, he tries to pull us back onto the train. But I'm telling you, if you stay off the train, have you ever been in those places? You say, man, that person just crazy. Not clinically, but just doing weird stuff saying weird things it's usually people you know and you're thinking what is wrong with them what is going on well somewhere in their life they've compromised what god's word says what god's will is for their life they've begun they've begun to think about them see insecurity sometimes gets hidden as humility it's not it's not humility it's pride because insecurity is self-exaltation. And that's what pride is. You're putting yourself... Insecurity says, I, I, I don't feel like I can do that. I shouldn't be able to. I can't. Insecurity says, I'm less than that. And those are all selfish thoughts. And those selfish thoughts produce selfish actions. And so that's pride. It's not humility. It hides and it masks itself as humility. If you look in Judges real quick in chapter 6... The story that I, that I felt like God gave me was Gideon, but the, the scripture that he gave me in the very beginning of this was out of James. And as you turn to, to, to Judges chapter 6 to find that, in James chapter 1, verse 5 through 8, in the New Living Testament, it talks about us asking for wisdom. And it says that if you need wisdom, you can ask. You can ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. It goes on then, and it says, 
And the next one, sorry, I don't have it on my thing right there. But it says, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. And it goes on and then it says, and you will become unstable in all of your ways. In the New Living it says, I'm sorry, their loyalty is divided between God and the world and they are unstable in everything that they do. That's why they're crazy. And it's not the person who doesn't know the word. You have to, because I know we're already thinking of people that, that we know in our life. I wish my brother would be here, my, my, my sister. And I wish this guy down the street would be here, my kids. You know, I wish my husband or wife. I mean, I wish they were here because this is what they... Listen, this is the person who asked God for wisdom. And it says that God will give to us in the New King James liberally and without reproach. Meaning he doesn't hold that stuff in the past against you, but you come and you ask for that wisdom and he pours it out to you. But then if you have doubt in your life when that wisdom comes, well, what causes that doubt in your life? Fear, insecurity, those kind of things. It begins to divide your loyalty between God and you. Between the world and the word. Between faith and fear. And when you do that, you become unstable. You begin to to step out and then stop. Say something this time. Fear, I'm telling you, fear will, fear will kill you in, in the right dose. Insecurity will paralyze you and isolate you. In, it'll put you in a place where you are completely ineffective for God. It will eat away at the inside of you. The devil's okay with that. He wants to kill, steal, and to destroy. But what he wants most is that you won't move, you won't step out, you won't speak, and you won't go the direction that God wants you to go. He wants to keep you isolated and paralyzed. And in Judges chapter 6, verse 11, it's the story of Gideon, and it says, Now the angel of the Lord came, and he sat under a terebinth tree, which was in Oprah, which belonged to Joash the Abizarite, while his son Gideon he threshed the wheat in the wine press in order to hide it for the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Oh, in one version in the new, new, in the new uh, NIV, I think it says, Oh, but my Lord. He says, Oh, but my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why has all of this happened to us? And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But... Now the Lord has forsaken and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And the Lord turned to him and said to him, Go in this might of yours. Go in this might of yours. As he's just explained why he is not able or why he is standing in the wine press or why the children of God are being oppressed or why he has no business moving out of this place and saving Israel or doing anything for God. I've just laid my case out before you with my buts and my ifs and my whys. Insecurity. All I can see are the walls of this wine press because I am in the wine press threshing the wheat. I have no vision beyond this place. And yet God speaks to him in all of that position of weakness that he is. God speaks to him and he says, go in this might of yours. Go in this strength of yours, he says. And you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So Gideon said to him, oh my Lord, how can I save Israel again? 
Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat Midian as one man. Insecurity, as Gideon begins to argue with God, it's a little like Moses arguing with God about whether or not he was able to go and set the children free and do what God called him to do. God handpicked him and said, You're going to be the guy who goes. And then he began to tell God why he can't. He began to tell God how it couldn't happen and why people wouldn't believe him and how he couldn't talk and all of those insecurities. All those things. They were things that were on the inside, but God said, that's not who you are. I have chosen you and I have picked you and I have anointed you. Take the stick and throw it on the ground. It becomes a snake. Listen, I'm with you. And if I'm with you, then who could be against you? And if he's with you, then who could be against you? And Gideon, he says the same thing. For I will be with you. He told Moses, listen, you need to go to Pharaoh. He told Gideon, you get your butt out of the wine press and you go in the strength that you have. I will be with you. And Gideon began to respond with all the bad things. And Moses began to respond with all the bad things. I'm telling you, insecurity, is, it's, it's insulting to God. Because you are telling the creator of heaven and earth. You are telling the creator of you. Psalms 139 says that you were knit and woven in your mother's womb. That he knows every piece part He knows every talent and gift. He put them there on the inside of you when you were inside of your mother before time began for your mom. Ephesians 2.10 says that you have been created for what? Good works. He has created you for these things. He has made us for these things. And yet we will stand before him in this place and say, I don't know if I should do that. I can't do that. Gideon says, but I'm the least of the least. And God says, you are not. Moses says, I don't talk very well. Yes, you can. They won't believe me. Yes, they will. I created you, Moses, for this. Gideon, I created you for this moment and this time where you're going to rise up and you're going to go down and you're going to defeat the Midianites and then bring Israel. See, a little bit like Moses. Bring Israel out of that fear and captivity. But he says, I, 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 all I see is this thing in front of me. All I see is this wall. If you look at the, the definition of insecurity, and again, just to show you that the word kind of makes it void. To be insecure, it means to be not firm or fixed, to be unsteady, not sure or certain. It means to be doubtful. Lacking stability, troubled, not confident or sure. And in the Word, you go to the New Testament, there's scriptures in the New Testament that confront each one of those things. They refute them. The thing that stood out to me was this thing that says you're, you're not firm or fixed. Well, in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, 57 says, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory in Jesus Christ. And then in verse 58 it says, Therefore be what? Steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. That steadfast and immovable actually means be firmly fixed and planted. See, he's made, I will be with you, he told Moses. I will be with you, he told Gideon. Get up and change your perspective. Get out of the wine press. Begin to see things from my vantage point. Isn't that the word is about us seeing ourselves as Jesus sees us? 
He didn't, God didn't make junk. Begin to see yourself differently. In your own strength, in your own ability, what you face may be difficult. It may seem impossible, but nothing is impossible with God. Insecurity comes out of comparison. Because you are comparing yourself against something. And we'll talk about comparison next week. But it breeds jealousy in your life. Look at Saul. Saul was the king. He made a mistake. He's, you know, now David was anointed to be the next king. David comes and kills Goliath. And Saul begins to compare his kingship and who he is. He begins to get his self-worth out of this comparison of him and David. And it says Saul has killed his thousands and David has killed his ten thousands. And that just made him feel more insecure. He was, began to be jealous of David. He began to be what that word said in the beginning in the crazy part, troubled or insecurity. It says troubled. It says he was troubled, and so he actually called for David to come and to play music for him. And as he played music for him, it soothed him. But then in his head, he realized he was playing the music, and he got that much more jealous and that much more insecure, and he threw spears at him. That's crazy. (laughs) You ask for it, you get it, you feel better, and you attack it. That's crazy. You go to a meeting, you read a book, you come to church, God begins to speak to you a word, you begin to receive it, it begins to bring rest, it begins to bring peace, your joy begins to come back, your strength begins to increase, and then you turn against it. You have to be careful. These things all begin to breed, and it's it's a nasty, self is a nasty place. Selfishness will destroy you. And insecurity, it comes in all shapes and all sizes. It is non-discriminating. It comes after all of us. Am I too short, too tall, too heavy, too thin? I'm awkward, I'm unable, I'm damaged, I'm messed up, I'm uneducated, I'm too poor, I'm always rejected, I'm too bald, I got too much hair, I don't know. You know. I really, you know, I don't want to, I don't know, I don't even know how to say that. I, I would love to be bald if I didn't have all these bumps on my head because bald's cool. Uh, so uh, I, I, think I, would really, I think I would look good inadequate, unqualified. The list is as long as the time is allowed. I don't know what you're dealing with, and I don't know what that insecurity is like, but the Bible was... You could pick anybody. I mean, Moses just pops to your head right there. Gideon pops to your head real quick. You can go all the way through the New Testament. Disciples were... They were plagued with it. They They were insecure. They didn't think they could go on another day without Jesus. If you die, what's going to happen to... If you go to, if you, if you, if they, you allow them to cruise, what's going to happen to me? Even Peter takes him to the side and says, oh, 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 now see, you've, you've gone off your rocker, sir. What was he doing? He wasn't protecting everybody else. He was protecting his own interests. Insecurity. What am I going to do without you if you're not here? But he says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And it is better for you if I do go and be with my father. Because if I go be with my father, I will send the Holy Spirit who will be your helper. And he will be the one who teaches you. He will be the one who convicts the world of sin. He will be the one who leads and guides you. He will be the one who shows you and tells you all things from my vantage point because he takes what I have and he gives it to you. God tells Gideon, get up. All you have is a pitiful vision. He's in a pit. 
pitiful. It's, it's a pitiful vision. Get up out of that. Rise up above that. Begin to grab hold of what God says. That changes you. Know that in Philippians it says you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Well, I don't feel like I'm qualified to do that. I know, but Colossians 1.12 says that he qualifies you to be, an, uh, to be a partaker of the inheritance of the saints. Well, I'm not just talking about the inheritance. I'm not just talking about money. All the goods that were won for you by the saints and by the death of Jesus Christ on the cross, those are yours, and he has qualified you to be a partaker of them. He's not a respecter of persons. He grabs hold of however you come to him. He washes you clean and makes you white as snow. He brings his righteousness into your life and makes you a new creature in Christ. All the old things have been passed away. Behold, all those things have been made new in your life. Those are words from the Bible. Romans 8.37 says that you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. You may feel defeated. You're not defeated, you're a conqueror. You have the victory. This is not, it's not time yet. Pastor Bill never loses. He just runs out of time. And I mean, he never does. He'll continue that game for six months until he gets a lead. And then when he gets a lead, he says, game's over. The grandkids are like, what are you talking about? He'll play tennis and he's behind and the game is over and he said, oh, are you quitting? But the, the game, right? I mean, the, 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 but the game's, but we're finished. But I, if you quit, you lose. I guess you're just a quitter. That's all right. I win. How does it work? The clock ran out. The buzzer came. There's a fifth quarter. In what game? In life. In life. There's, a, there's another quarter. There's another inning. There's another set. Keep moving forward. It says in, in Matthew chapter 7 that you're, you're going to follow the word. Hear the, right? Hear the word of the Lord. Hear these words that I speak and say to you, Jesus said in, in Matthew chapter 7, and do them. And you will be like the wise man who built his house on the rock. Now remember, insecurity was talking about not being confident, not being sure, not being certain, lacking stability, not firm or fixed. But the word refutes that and says that if you'll hear these words of mine, these sayings, and you'll live them, do them, you will be like the man whose home was placed, built, and put on a firm foundation, fixed, firm, so that when the rains come and the winds come, And all of those things that the enemy brings against you come, you will not be shaken. You will not be insecure. You'll be secure because you're secure in Christ. You know your security comes from him. The devil messes with your perspective all the time. On Wednesday night, I shared a little message, and it was about perspective and perception. And and the difference, really, not necessarily between the two, but what each one does. And I went all the way back, and I went back to the message that I preached a couple Sundays ago about the servant and about, about Elisha, and how they were, they were surrounded in that city. And it says in 2 Kings that, that they were surrounded by the enemy, but Elijah saw something different. Elijah wasn't insecure, the servant was insecure. 
The servant was the one who woke up and said, oh, master, what are we going to do? Because look at all these people who are surrounding us. And, and, and Elisha said, I pray, Lord, that you open up his eyes. Why? So if he would open up his eyes, his perspective would be different. He would mentally see differently than he does right now, right? We don't see through our eyes. We see with our mind. And so because his eyes were already open because he saw all the bad people, right? Some of you have heard that like four times now. But he saw all the bad people who were around him. But he, Elisha prayed, open his eyes. What eyes? The eyes of faith. God told Gideon, listen, you're not a little midget man. You're not the least of the least. You're not the worst of the worst. Get up. You are the man that I have chosen. You have strength. You are a mighty man of valor. Now, oopsie, you go. Get your group together and go down there and let's do this thing. Don't forget, I'm with you. And the eyes of this young man's faith were opened, the servant in 2 Kings. And he saw differently. And because he saw differently, perspective he saw differently with, his, with the vision that God had given him as he opened up his eyes. He could perceive differently, which means he understands and discerns. When you begin to think about you, when self begins to drive the crazy train, your vision is going dim. You don't see right. Your perspective begins to get messed up. And when your perspective gets messed up, your perception gets messed up. If you don't see by the eyes of faith, then how can you understand and discern what the Spirit of God is saying? You can't. He says, change your perspective. There's a few pictures here, and I'm going to have her show these. And we show these on Wednesday night, and it's a a guy who draws these pictures. And the devil wants to make everything in your life look real. And that's a picture of a boy on a sidewalk. There's a real boy, and there's a fake boy. Hey, the one on the right is, is, is real. The guy, the guy on the left is fake. You can kind of buzz through those a little bit as you go. That guy, does, that guy is not watering anything. That's, that, he's just, it's just a picture that's been painted, and from the right perspective, it looks real. With Gideon laying or standing in that wine press, his perspective looked like he was the least of the least, and he was in trouble. The enemy had spent time painting a picture for him because he, in that other verse, said, God, but if, why, when, we, what, what's the deal? He had, the enemy had painted a picture for Gideon that said, this is who you are. Just like this guy paints these pictures that take days and days and days to paint. Well, he chalk does, he does it with chalk. He puts them on the sidewalk, and you can even see the sidewalk and the things. But as you go down here to this snail, he puts a picture in a place that says, listen, this is who you are. Don't believe what the enemy says about you. He has been working your whole life to pigeonhole you into this place of insecurity and comparison and bitterness. See? Time and time and time again, he, Gideon did not get born in that wine press. He ended up in that wine press, and the enemy had painted a picture for him that looked like they were in trouble and God was not with them. He said, oh, but my Lord, if the Lord is with us, the enemy had already told you, the Lord is not with you. Because he says to God, but Lord, oh, if, the, if you're with us, he already believes that he's not. If you're with us, then how did all this happen? See, he's painted this picture 
The enemy has. That from this perspective that Gideon has right now, this is the worst. This can't get any worse. I mean, I'm going to go down. I'm just stuck in this wine press. Every time I do something outside, somebody comes and steals it. Like the little man who sat by the pool of water that was stirred at times. And when it was stirred, the first person in got healed. He just assumed that was the only way for him to get healed, that he was going to lie there forever, that the enemy had lied to him for 30 years and built a case and drawn a picture that from his perspective where he was, he was never going to be healed because he couldn't make it to the water. But God says to Gideon, get your perspective changed. He tells us in Colossians 3, 1, listen, he tells us you are seated with Christ in heavenly places. He sees things differently than you. He can see the whole picture. And when you change the perspective on this, it's not even there. Go back. See, from one perspective, from Gideon's perspective in the wine press, it looks like all is lost. He has no chance. He has no hope. But as, he, as the man of God, the angel of God comes to him, he says, you're a mighty man of valor. Change your perspective. And when he does, he goes down and defeats the Midianites as one man. And if you jump over to Judges chapter 8, he tells those kings who wouldn't feed his people, I'm going to come back over here and I'm going to cut off your heads. So like in one week, he went from Gideon, the least of the least, to like Mike Tyson. Like he went, he, went, he went the other side of crazy. He realized who he was in Christ. And now I'm telling you what, if you won't, you won't provide for me what we need to continue doing what God tells us to do, don't, I'm going to come back and get you too. That's a whole different guy. He left the, tra- the crazy train at the depot. And he got on God's train. He began to go God's way. See, that's a glimpse. Hey, buddy, you can do it. You can make it. You're more than a conqueror. The Word of God says that you have victory. The Word of God says that you're healed. The Word of God says that you have abundance. The Word of God says that there is peace for you and rest. The Word of God says that there is joy for you. Well, you don't know what I've been through. Don't consult your past. See, the problem with Gideon's perspective was he was consulting who he, who he was. He was consulting the picture that the enemy had made for him. And that's what he began to believe was real. He, he, relied, on the, he, real, he relied on the wrong thing for his assessment. The, the thing that we rely on for our assessment of who we are in Christ is this. The word of God and what the spirit of God speaks to us. And you may be beat up. You may be junk. You may be messed up. But I'm telling you. You are, you are seated in heavenly places with Christ. In Isaiah chapter 40. It says in verse 27. I'm sorry. In verse 28. Have you not known and have you not heard the everlasting God of the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth? He neither faints nor is he weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount, it says, mount up with wings like eagles. 
It's a different perspective from up there. As you fly and soar with eagles, you see differently than the chickens who are pecking at the dirt. The chickens are waiting for the farmer to just throw something down for them, and they pick and they scratch and they eat the dirt and the seed and the thing that's been thrown before them. The eagle soars and sees the whole thing. Too many times, we've got our, we've got our hands where we can't see anything but just this, this flesh-colored thing. And God says, just change your perspective. Do you see my hand? I'm with you. That I won't let go. That I'll hold on to you. Say, man, I've just I've been too messed up. My, I'm telling you, insecurity, man, it gets rooted in there. You believe it, just like you believe that that snail was real. Gideon believed that he was the weakest of the weak. You begin to believe it. But I'm telling you, there's a different picture for you. God sees things differently than you do. You, you may be, your mind may be a mess, and it may be whirling all around you. But when God shines the light on you, this is what he sees. He doesn't see just stuff. He doesn't see crazy. He sees these pictures. There we go. He sees these when, this, when the, you, you see nothing. Like those are just scattered things. You think your mind is completely scattered. But when God shines the light on your mind, what does he see? A beautiful woman standing before him. You may think that your life is nothing but a pile of trash. But when God shines the light on the pile of trash, what does he see? Change your perspective. You don't have to be insecure. He is your security. You may be busted and broken. That is a busted and broken piano. But if you see it from the right perspective, it's a real one. They're just perspective pictures. This is just a thicket. It's like you can't hardly see it on here. It's just a thicket. It's just stuff all put together. But when the light shines on it, it's different. See, when He shines a light on you, when He shines His love on you, when He pours His anointing into your life, you go from a broken mess who can't do anything, who's believed the lie of the enemy your whole life, and He turns it around. It says in Romans chapter 8, it says He will turn all things around for good for those who love Him and who are called according to His purpose. Just stand up. He doesn't make junk. You may have been through some things and you may have been dealing with stuff. But listen, you're not broken. You're not, you are not broken. You're not bound. You're not stuck. You're not crazy. Nowhere in the Word of God does it say that about you if you are in Christ. But you better believe that the enemy is painting a picture for you. He's painting a picture that says you can't make it. You won't make it. But I am telling you, if you get God's person, he says, hey, come up here and see what I see. Yeah, but I feel like this. Get up here. You don't walk by, by your sight. You don't go by feelings. You walk by faith. And you live and walk and breathe and have your way like this. Like this. What does the word say about your situation? 
When he tells you to move out and you like, you freak out and say, oh, I don't think I can do that. Yes, you can. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Move! Two years ago, you didn't think you could do that either, but you finally did. Right? Five years ago, you didn't think you would ever make it, but you did. Huh? I mean, there was a time you didn't know who the enemy would paint a picture for you that said it's impossible and it's not going to work. But God says, no, no, no. Look up here. Look up here. His son was diagnosed with leukemia. How long ago? A year ago. And he's well. Doing good. Huh? I'm telling you, look up here, God says. Look up here. Peter said to that man who was, who was blind, who was sitting at the steps begging for alms, he said, hey, hey, look up here. R- rise. Raise your expectations, as Brad said. Raise your, pers- raise your eyes to get a new perspective. And this is a scripture that I stopped with on Wednesday, and I felt to do it again today, and it's out of Ephesians chapter 1. Because I asked, what do you see? What do you see? Do you see yourself in a wine press? Least of the least, hurt, broken? Do you see yourself with a messed up mind? Do you see yourself as a broken pile of... Once you were a piano, but you were broken... Life had messed you up. It beat you down. It, it, it smashed things. And you know, the, the enemy had taken things from you. But let me tell you, if you change your perspective, allow God to do something. Open your eyes, he says. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17 in the NIV, it says, I keep asking, Paul says, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Know him better. Why do you have to know him better? So you won't fall for the counterfeit that the enemy brings. The enemy lies and he counterfeits all the things that God says and is and does. That you may know him better. And then verse 18 says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Not the eyeballs in your head, but the eyes of faith on the inside of you. Just as Elisha prayed for his servant, God is, Paul is praying for us, for these Ephesians and for us now who have come after. He says, I pray that the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. I am with you go in this strength and go in this might of you i'm with you we hope this message encouraged you victor christian center is passionate about sharing the love acceptance and forgiveness of jesus learn more about us at victorylafayette.org if you don't know jesus or maybe you've gotten distracted and stopped following him i'd like to pray for you right now The most important decision you'll ever make involves accepting the love of Jesus and His gift of new life. I'd invite you to make this prayer your own and take this opportunity to begin to follow Jesus. God, I ask you to reveal yourself to me. I want to know you. I ask you to forgive the sin in my life that has kept me from enjoying a relationship with you. Give me a fresh start by changing my life and helping me to follow you from this point forward. I accept your love through Jesus, and I commit to trust your plan for my life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If you've prayed this prayer for the first time, please get in touch with us and let us know. 
To learn more about Victory or to contact us, visit us online at victorylafayette.org.